GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. The operation to lift the wreck of the stricken bulk carrier, the OS-35, finally got underway this weekend. The captain of the port, John Gill, spoke to Kevin Ruiz, who was in the studio with me. St John Ambulance volunteers Matthew Turnock and Alex Hartley also joined us to talk about their efforts alongside the Health Authority's ambulance service. And we had a quick chat with Audrey Alessio, who's written Fear the Neighbour, a book described as an emotive and racy cliffhanger that touches on death, guilt, redemption and empowerment. But first, Ian McGrail was found not guilty of sexual assault. The former police commissioner was emotional following the verdict at the magistrate's court. Our reporter Katie Docker was there. Well, what a week it's been. The nerves in court this morning were palpable. I mean, I even felt nervous as we waited for the verdict. As the courtroom was so full, the journalists were allowed to sit where the lawyers normally sit. So I could see Ian McGrail quite clearly and the tension in his face was evident. I mean, he looked really nervous, understandably. Then you could see the relief as the not guilty verdict was read out. Tears filled his eyes. He hugged his lawyers and he shook the hand of the Crown Counsel, Johan Fernandez, before finding the arms of his family and friends who've been there filling the courtroom and supporting him every day of the trial. His two daughters in particular seem to have been pillars of strength for him throughout. The former police commissioner didn't want to comment as he left the court, but his lawyer, Charles Gomez, said it's been seven weeks of hell, referring to the time since his arrest in April. He added that this was in the context of the three years of non-stop aggravation his client has endured following his retirement. Outside the court, I spoke to Henry Sacramento, chairman of the Retired Police Officers Association. What did he say, Katie? And um, he basically said that he, you know, he wanted to support Ian McGrail and uh, that the truth always comes out. Another friend of Ian McGrail's also told GBC the not guilty verdict was another hurdle overcome. He acknowledged there are more hurdles that he faces ahead. This is referring to the upcoming inquiry due late this year and an ongoing police investigation or two investigations in relation to misconduct in public office and the unlawful obtaining of personal data contrary to the Data Protection Act. So investigations into, but no charges No as charges, yet. yeah. I think a few things that the stipendiary magistrate Charles Peter said in his summing up in court this morning are important to mention too, especially in, con- in the context of the inquiry. Um, Mr Peter spoke of the letter of assurance offered to the complainant in return for her statement of complaint against Mr McGrail. Charles Peto said there was no evidence of inducement given to her for giving her evidence and that the letter offered only the whistleblowing protections that are afforded under law. Mr Peter also said the complainant's evidence was not reliable and he preferred that of Mr McGrail. He said statements the woman had made in support of the alleged sexual assault had been contradicted by other evidence, such as photographs and the evidence from another police officer. So Charles Peter said it was the Crown's job to prove Mr McGrail's guilt beyond reasonable doubt, something that they haven't managed to do, and it was on this basis that he acquitted Mr McGrail. And, um, and, and the whole trial is now over. Gibraltar Today. 
with Jonathan Scott. Kevin Ruiz is joining me and trying to redecorate <laughs> our studio, but uh, we, we don't need Afternoon, to. Afternoon, Jonathan. <laughs> How are you? you? You had a really busy weekend. There was a lot it happening. It was. Well, not Gibraltar, weekends, come the weekend, there was always loads happening, especially with the better weather. No, salimos como los caracoles. Or as Ian Daniels likes to say, people take to the town. They take to the town. <laughs> and um, and, and tell, talk to us about your, your Saturday then. You, you started off uh, following the um, OS35 Well, the OS35 uh, saga, of course, a big, important development this weekend after a slight delay at the top end of uh, last week, the final phase of the operation to salvage the wreck of the OS35 to remove it from a coastline. That got underway on Saturday with the better weather. Um, the operation will be a long and complex one. John Gio, the captain of the port, tells us it will be a slow-moving operation. He even said it might be a, a very boring operation visually, at least for the first few weeks. But it's, despite it all moving really slowly, um, I spoke to him yesterday and there was an important achievement for the salvage crews working on the operation Sunday about one o'clock in the afternoon. That's when crews were able to release the stern of the vessel from the suction of the seabed. Technical, eh? That's how technical the operation is. That's how uh, complex it is. So the stern is now sitting on the seabed. But John Gio told us the operation will be slow moving. He can't put a, an end date to the operation. He tells us why. It's very difficult to, to be uh, specific about the, time, the timeline. Remember that this is a complex operation and we can, we can uh, focus what each step should be taking, but each step is sequential. So unless, until we achieve the aims of the first step, we can't move to the second step and so on and so on. So rather than place a timeline on it, uh, as we said in the last interview, we're looking at anything that could be from five days to 10 days to 20 days. It's more about uh, looking at doing it smoothly and carefully rather than trying to rush it to meet any particular deadline. Captain of the Port, John Gio, speaking to you yesterday. Kevin, giving you an update on the OS35. That's right. And tell you what, um, savouring the news, um, talking, we talk to many people. Um, he, he does sound a bit tired. Eh? Tell you what, um, it's been 10, non-stop, 11 no? months, non-stop. The stress, the complexity of the operation as well. And um, tell you what, the weather was fine. So I decided to go down to the eastern side myself. We were keeping watch of the OS35 and my cameraman and I, um, Darren Durante, we went down on the sand at Catalan Bay. Uh, we decided to check out the beach because it was the start of the bathing season. And we got talking to people about how they felt about that operation just happening metres away from the shore. And um, tell you what, Catalan Bay users, they were very pleased with the boom that's been stretched out on the eastern side to protect the shoreline over the last few days and tell you what they were all very positive and complimentary about um the salvage crews and the operation the work they've been doing and how the operation despite being so complex and those episodes we had of uh, um oil spill earlier on they were quite uh, pleased and complimentary about how it's all being played out on radio gibraltar and on gbc television gibraltar today with jonathan scott we're going to talk now uh, about St. John Ambulance and the great work uh, that they do. Uh, joined by um, Alex Hartley and Matthew Turnock. 
um, who are volunteers for St John Ambulance. Tell us about where the St John is at the moment in terms of uh, the work that you do. What are the, the main challenges at the moment, mm. Matthew? The, the, main cha- the main challenge basically uh, is uh, fa- finding funds to change our ambulances and, and, and stuff because du- during COVID we worked hand in glove with the GHA and that, as you might imagine, being a, a voluntary organisation that took a toll not only on my not only on the volunteers but certainly on on the equipment because we we do not have the resources in terms of of uh, monetary uh, resources that the GHA has but we we still we definitely stepped up so much so that I think in your actual program. Uh, uh, Sigurd Haviland, which was the CEO at the time, actually uh, congratulated St. John for uh, the a job well done because, as he pointed out, um, if St. John wouldn't have been there, the resilience aspect of it would have, would have been lacking. Yeah, we can, mm. we can hear him uh, remind our <laughs> listeners what he said. Also to express our gratitude to St. John Ambulance. Thanks to them, we were able to free some of our resources to maintain uh, business continuity. That's him talking about COVID-19, the response to the pandemic and um, the fact that you, you, you assisted and were able to allow them to do things that they mm. otherwise wouldn't have been able to do. Mm. So, so um, explain the, um, the transfers issue, if you can. Before the pandemic, well, uh, <coughs> it's not really related to the pandemic. It's related to a change in policy uh, by the, the Spanish government. Yes. Uh, mm. Explain what you used to do and what you can't do now. Before, before we used to, before we used to do um, around 130 transfers a month, and now we do like three or four. When when it comes to like critical uh, critical babies because they don't have the facilities in their ambulances, so we get a dispensation from the from the Spanish state, and we take them through. But the rea- the, 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 rea- the reality is, if you take into account that you, now we do four or five, and before you, we used to do as as a general rule. Uh, between uh, 120 to 130 a year no uh, a month sorry a month wow. so, basi- so basically you can you can well imagine w- what that does to our to our finances because we do not receive any any grant or anything of that sort or the government the only, the only thing we do get which alex will now um, explain a bit further is a youth grant that all that all, all youth organizations get and that is what we're going to use to send our uh, youth volunteers to to Guernsey to, uh, to oh, assist Guernsey yeah. with the Island Games. Ah, oh, lovely. So the, you're sending a team to the Island Games. We Alex. are, yeah. So so part of my role uh, with St John's is I'm one of the youth workers, so one of the youth leaders uh, for the cadets that we run on a Thursday. Um, and this year, because of the Island Games being held in Guernsey, and our fellow um, Guernsey St John's. Um, came over to to help us with the island games uh, back in crikey, 2019 thank you Matthew for that um we, we we've decided to return the favor and also use it as a, a valuable learning opportunity for some of our cadets um so we're taking some of our slightly older cadets um over we've taken a group of four plus two leaders um to help with the first aid response for their island games um and we're being hosted by them um, and we're just going to muck in where we can with setup of um first aid facilities to dealing with the public um yeah to to kind of give our cadets a really good uh, learning opportunity um to work alongside and observe um what is what is needed in a large scale event um to get them prepared for adult 
Um, that, so that's great. Uh, they must be very excited. They are indeed. They are indeed. It's not long now. We go in July. So, uh, yeah, it's all hands on. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. There is a new book that you might want to get your hands on. It's just been launched by Audrey Alessio, who joins me now in the studio. You can hold up your your new creation if you want, Audrey. It must be a very proud moment I for am. you. It is, it is indeed. You'll have to spend a lot of time preparing yes, it, no? nearly four years. Nearly four years. Fear the Neighbour. Yes. What, um, what, tell us in short, what, uh, what does it entail? Well, it's um, about a child who's goes missing and um the focus goes on the neighbor and other other um characters but basically that's what it's about it's a, it's a thriller okay a thriller about a child who goes missing yes um and then there's different characters and then like the detective it's um brought to life in the sense that um the characters there's it's very emotive so the characters are really brought to light to life because the you learn about the families and and how it affects the jobs and all the like backstory yes and... yes all the sub arcs yeah. as they call it okay but um, I'm not going to tell you the ending <laughs> no 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 spoilers no spoilers no, no spoilers at all, at all. but give us a flavour of, okay. of well, the book um, I'm just going to read one cha- one paragraph of the second chapter with it which is. Um, one of the main characters. Okay. And his at the moment, he's um, being, he's taking drugs. Okay. To, uh, from, and uh, to Spain, from, from oh, Tangiers uh, or Morocco to Spain. Oh, okay? so, so, so smuggling drugs. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, Audrey, where can people pick up a copy of your book? At the moment, it's on sale at the Gibraltar Museum and at the Gibraltar Heritage. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar Today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.